It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We've talked a lot about the optimism surrounding Ellie De La Cruz and his potential rookie year with the Cincinnati Reds, but what is a concern? We're going to dive into that on today's Locked On Reds. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds with myself, Jeff Carr, and my co-host, Stephen Offenbaker. And on today's episode, Tom Nichols, voice of the Dayton Dragons, joins us as we are bringing you the players to watch here in spring training, players and pitchers and catchers report on Tuesday. And we're going to have lots of wonderful things to talk about, whether you're talking about, you know, who's in the best shape of their lives and things like that, but who are the guys to watch out for? Tom Nichols joins us on today's podcast, and we, we've got a couple of podcasts coming up where we break down exactly what to look for in spring training here, because here on the Locked On Reds podcast, we are your team every day because we're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We thank you as always for making us your first listen, and we love to talk Reds, and we want to talk Reds with you. Make sure you join us in the comment section on YouTube or you hit us up on Twitter. You can follow me at Jeff Carr with three Fs, and you can follow Steve at S. Offenbaker with two Fs. Hit us up there. All right, without further ado, let's begin our conversation as we look at L.A. De La Cruz and the excitement surrounding him, but maybe a reason to be cautious. All right, on today's Locked On Reds, we do have Tom Nichols, the voice of the Dayton Dragons in here with us as we're getting ready for camp. This is going to be probably the most interesting spring training that I can remember. I don't ever think I've been excited about what's going to happen in spring training, but I am excited for what's going to happen because we're going to see a lot of different players, guys who are going to be ready for this year's team, guys who are going to be ready for next year's team that are going to be the future of the Reds. And obviously the guy that's at the top of the list. And I've, I've tried to think of different ways to ask this Tom, because whether you ask who's the most interesting, uh, who could be the most impactful, uh, who is, I mean, all of the answers. It's the same answer for all those questions, right? Yes. We know the answer. (laughs) So I want to ask it a different way And, and, and maybe not necessarily the most optimistic way to ask it, but what are your concerns about Ellie De La Cruz? First off, Jeff, to go back to your your comment, I think one of the things that's different about this year than any other probably is there are so many players that most of the fans, even a lot of the hardcore fans, have never seen play um, that are that are important members of the of the spring process, not just extra bodies in camp, but people that are the future of the organization. And yet, a lot of the fans have never seen them play or have heard about them and know know some things about them, but are anxious to get a firsthand look at what the player actually looks like on the field. So that, that's one of the things that's different about this year. Now, De La Cruz, I think if you if you were to ask scouts or instructors on the field, um, possible weakness, generally the answer would come back presently too many strikeouts. 
Mm -hmm. Um, And will that get better? Will it stay the same or hope, hope not, but could it get worse? Um, His strikeout rate. I think he, I think, I think he was third in our league in strikeouts and for the guy that was the best player really in the league. And, and he didn't win the league MVP. And ironically, of course, the guy who did win our league MVP wasn't a member of the Dayton Dragons, but will be a member of the Cincinnati Reds uh, in spring training and a teammate of Ellie De La Cruz. And that's Christian Encarnacion Strand, who they acquired in the Tyler Malley deal from the Twins. MVP right. of our league, edged out De La Cruz for that honor. And now we have him. So uh, that, that's that's another really exciting element to this spring training. But De La Cruz... Um, uh, needs to get more consistent defensively. We can say that about a lot of minor league players. The big question is, will the strikeout problem improve, stay the same, or get worse? A lot of scouts will tell you it's a really hard thing to improve on. If single-A and double-A pitchers can strike you out at a high rate, what will big league pitchers do? Um, he has, to me, shown an ability to face every challenge and, and make improvement. And, and I mean, a good example, just in real general terms would be, he made this, the jump last year, mid season from, or two thirds of the way through the season from high a to double a. And when that happens, you're facing a higher level of competition. You're set, you're facing pitchers with better command of their secondary stuff. You're facing pitchers with a better understanding of how to get you out as a hitter and yet what happened? His performance actually got better when he made that step up for a while, at least, and then sort of leveled off. And at the end of the day, when the season was over, his numbers in uh, Chattanooga were actually quite similar. He had three points higher as a batting average. Didn't show quite the power, but similar. Um, stolen base numbers, maybe even better than what he had here. Let me ask you this about the strikeouts because, you know, and I, I love where Jeff went with this, you know, what are your concerns? You know, the strikeout rate is one thing that Jeff and I look at a lot and I've heard other people talk about, and I've heard uh, specifically uh, some people within the organization talk about Ellie De La Cruz and just his sheer size and what that, you know, in turn does to his strike zone. He has a lot of basically a lot of territory to defend. Uh, when he's in the batter's box because he's an extremely large individual. Now, you know, you come from a uh, place of advantage where you got to watch him, you know, every single game for a long stretch of time. So in those strikeouts, break that down just a little bit. Was, was it a territory issue? Was he just having a hard time covering all that space? Was he hacking a lot at things, trying for the power and just missing? What did you see from him as far as the strikeouts go? Was it just, uh, you know, did it look like it's something that's correctable, something that's improvable, or does it look more like, you know, he's just a big dude and pitchers are going to be able to take advantage of that? Very good question. Um, I will say, Stephen, to begin with, he, yeah, he's 6'5", long arms. When we got him, he was 6'2", believe it or not, on the roster. <laughs> because because like a lot of minor league players, they play and and the roster that the, – the, the, the height and weight that go on the first contract they sign just kind of gets bicycled from year to year until he's three or four or five years into his career and they're still just taking the, the numbers off the previous year's roster. Well – we got him and he was six, five. And I went down to the, the, the clubhouse to talk to the strength and conditioning coordinator. 
And I said, we can't keep putting six, two on the roster. He's out. I mean, people are talking about this guy and, and I need to get, um, the right. And he, he worked with me and, and, uh, we, we decided on six, five. And, um, that is a lot different from six, two, but your question, um, in my opinion, I'll, I'll give you my opinion, Stephen, and and some might disagree with me on this, but here's my here's my opinion. With a lot of these players, it is approach, in a specifically two strike approach. Okay, when you get into a two strike count, what do you do? Do you do you continue to swing the bat like you're looking for a three one pitch, and just take a big old hack, or or do you what hitting coaches forever until we got to the last few years and may, and hitting coaches still would, would probably say you need to, you need to take a two strike approach, try to make contact, put the ball in play easier said than done as, as was explained to me many times last year by different people uh, close to the game. Um, but the skill level is amazingly high with this player such that I don't want to, I don't want to shortchange him by talking about the weakness too much because we're talking about a player whose tools and skill level is probably some, something that we have not seen come up through the red system in decades. Okay. Um, so he has a chance to be a superstar, not just a good player or a, a, an impact player, but a, a true star player in the game if things go well. And there are plenty of people that would say it's going to go well for him. They have confidence he will do it. Is Ellie De La Cruz going to be a shortstop forever? And what exactly is his best position? Because Tom actually doesn't say shortstop. We'll tell you exactly what that is coming up here in just a moment. Before I tell you about that, though, I want to tell you about today's sponsor, and that is FanDuel. FanDuel Sportsbook is the number one sportsbook and the official sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. And it is the midway point of the NBA season, and it's a perfect time to download FanDuel because new customers get a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point spreads, uh, talking about who's going to score some points, maybe even three-pointers made. And uh, also looking at some baseball futures, they've got some interesting uh, win totals there. You're talking about you can even bet on uh, what teams are going to win 80 or more games. I did see that the odds for the Reds to win 80 or more games is kind of astronomical right now. So they don't see that happening, but you can put a, do- a couple of dollars down on that and make some money if the Reds do have an amazing season and surprise the world. That's over at FanDuel, plus FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N to learn more. You can make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Coming up on tomorrow's Locked on Reds podcast, we will continue our conversation with Tom Nichols as we look at a couple of interesting prospects like Connor Phillips. Is he better suited in the rotation? 
Or will he be a bullpen piece for the Reds? Tom has some thoughts there, and that's on tomorrow's Lockdown Reds. But for now, let's continue our conversation as we look at the ideal position for Ellie De La Cruz. Because, you know, we've talked about his offensive ability, but he's been in a lot of defensive conversations recently. Uh, there's a lot of speculation about exactly what the Reds will do with him short term and long term once he reaches Cincinnati. Uh, I've heard his name linked with just being the shortstop. We've heard his name linked with uh, eventual move to third base. And more recently, we've heard uh, his name linked with a potential center field move, depending on how he continues to grow and develop. So uh, with him defensively, we'd like to ask you to kind of pull out your crystal ball for just a minute. And, and what do you see happening with his career as far as the defensive side, the position goes? Do you think he stays a shortstop forever? Could you see him uh, moving to third base or even the outfield at some point in time in his career? I think he could play just about anywhere you need him to play except for catcher and pitcher. Um, but I think his skill set fits best as an infielder because he does have good hands. Um, he's got the instincts of an infielder. I think that uh, I, the, the, I can go back and, and think of players that I had similar questions with over the years. We had a long string of guys who came to us as shortstops and eventually moved to a different position. Uh, one, the guy who probably did that uh, the best was Billy Hamilton, who went from being a shortstop in Dayton who had 30-some errors over the course of a season, but also a number of great plays, and moved eventually to center field and became a, an absolute high, top-level, elite defensive center fielder. Um, we had Todd Frazier in Dayton, who was a shortstop. You, you knew right away he was just a little too big to, to stay at that position uh, because of a lack of explosiveness with his feet. Um, and he would move somewhere else, but you knew he had the hands to stay in the infield. So you thought, well, short, a third base would be about the best spot. Uh, maybe first base, they wound up playing him at third base and he was an outstanding defensive third baseman. So with De La Cruz, um, I think that for now they would do nothing but consider leaving him at shortstop. And will that be the position he stays at forever? Well, when I was at Reds Fest this year, a member of the Reds coaching staff asked me about some impressions that I'd had of De La Cruz, um, have, having seen him. And this was a person I'd known for a long, long time. And he said, if he said, you know, there's people talking about him getting here really soon, not just, uh, you know, a year down the line, but even sometime this year. And is he ready to play shortstop right now in the big leagues? You could put in there, there's going to be a high number of errors right now. Okay. He had with us, he had 15 errors in 73 games. So sort of double that over a major league season. You're looking at 30 errors. That's a lot of errors for a big league shortstop. He's going to be a little better, but, but until he gets more experience, you're going to have to live with a much higher number of errors than you know, than you probably would uh, with another player. Uh, so um, it still might happen though. I think you'll live with some of those errors uh, and I don't think you'll have 30 over a season. You're going to, you're, you're on big league fields where there's no such thing as hardly as a bad hop. Uh, hey, if he hits and, a home run for every error, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Um, so now I, I would like to add this uh, on this topic. Um, he, his secondary position right now would be third base. He played quite a bit of third base in Dayton. Um, and that to me 
in my opinion, is the position that he would be the best at long term because of um, the the require he he made plays to his left guys. I remember one in particular. Eric Davis was at the game, and when he comes to a game, he sits in the press box about 15 feet to my right, and he made that play in the inning break. I went over there. I said, Eric, did you see how much range he had to his left? How, he cut that ball up in front of the shortstop. It, it reminded me of a quote from Sparky Anderson, and, and neither of you guys are, are old enough to remember the 1970 World Series. I barely am. And at the end of that series, Sparky Anderson came out. That was a series, of course, Brooks Robinson uh, had the had the tremendous series defensively and, and kind of made himself known forever. And Sparky said, they tell me he used to be better than he is. He said, if that's true, you wouldn't need a shortstop out there. And that was what it looked like <laughs> when Dela Cruz played third base. His range to his left was off the charts because, you know, he's got he's got the long strides, long, loose arms, um, just tremendous ability to move to his left, reach out, grab the ball, set his feet, throw the ball accurately and with a tremendous arm strength. Um, will, But I think I, I don't think that'll happen quite yet, at least in my opinion. Um, I think they're going to give Spencer a steer, a chance to play shortstop on an everyday basis. And, um, and, and you've got other situations going on right now, which we might get to here in the show at shortstop. But uh, um, you mean third base, Spencer steer play third base. Right. Did I say shortstop? Yeah. 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 Spencer steers the, 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 it looks like pencil is the everyday third baseman. And okay. you've got obviously Newman and Barrero going to do the battle at shortstop and, and see which one comes out. Um, I would, uh, you know, well, Dela, when will Dela Cruz get there? I, I asked some guys down at uh, Reds Fest again, just sort of the contingent of media guys, uh, guys like Bobby Nightingale and, and uh, Mark Sheldon. And, and uh, uh, there are two or three others in the, in the, in the, that particular position in the room. When I asked, I said, each of you guys pick a date when you think he will break into the big leagues this, this season. Uh, and um, I think I actually had the earliest one of anybody in the group, which was June the 1st. And I think the other guys had <laughs> July or early August, or maybe even one guy might've said September 1st. Um, and yeah, I, said, I have him June, for Memorial June. Day weekend too. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I mean, it would be similar to that would be a similar timeline as what Jay Bruce in 2008, um, where they had Jay Bruce up in the big leagues around Memorial Day. And of course, if you remember that year when he came to the big leagues, he broke in with a bang. I mean, I, he was like a candidate for National League Player of the Week, his first week in the National League as a rookie. And uh, so, I, I mean, De La Cruz. We saw him last year. Certainly he was, and I should say this because it is worth remembering, he was a much different player when the weather started getting a little warmer. And and, and coaches told me to expect that. And, 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 in fact, one coach, the roving minor league infield coordinator, Jose Nieves, told me after he came in and visited with us, I think, about a week or so into the season. He said, you've already seen some things you've probably been impressed with. But he said, when I come back here for my second visit, you'll be telling me you're seeing things you've never seen before. And he was right. Uh, once once the weather warmed up so that we were in the 60s, 70s, pretty much every every game instead of 30s to 40s, um, his play improved dramatically. And, and that might be something to, to look for this year as well. Um, will it be a Jonathan India situation where he kind of surprises everyone and and makes the team out of spring training. 
if he did, it would have to be as an everyday player. You know, they're mm -hmm. not gonna they're not gonna have him in the big leagues to back up. Um, would I be absolutely shocked out of my my gourd if that happened? Um, no. Do I think it'll happen? Probably not. But it wouldn't shock me if it did happen because he's that kind of player that could do it. No matter what he does in spring, I think you're right. They're going to want to send him down for a little while. I think those other guys are really are who is going to dictate whether or not Ellie makes the roster. If there's an injury, if something strange happens and it creates a almost need and forces the Reds hand. I who else in spring training? is bringing the excitement because we know it's Ellie De La Cruz at the top, but there's another hitter that has lots of excitement surrounding him. And I'm can't wait to see this dude play in spring training as Tom Nichols breaks down exactly why Christian Encarnacion strand has lots of hype surrounding the talent that's coming up here in just a moment. Before we get into that though, I want to tell you, about Built Bar. Built Bar is the absolute best tasting protein bar on the market because if you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories, you've got to try a Built Bar. We just got through the holidays and I know that when it comes to this year, my goal is to eat a little bit healthier, you know, kind of love me some potato chips and a little bit of the candy and some sweets and things like that. Built Bar is going to fit right into every single diet out there. And it's going to help you scratch that itch when it comes to something sweet because every Built Bar is covered in 100% real chocolate. Plus, you're talking about healthy that is actually tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious, you won't think that they're good for you. They are so healthy for you. We're talking about 130 calories per bar. I mean, that's insane. You've also got like 4 grams of sugar and up to a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't even need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering your Built Bars from Built.com. You can still do that, of course, but now you can go to Walmart or Sam's Club. You can head on over to Walmart today in their pharmacy section. They've got a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or even coconut puff. Plus, you can go to Sam's Club and get a 13-bar box with brownie batter, churro, all this crazy. Listen, go there, go to Sam's Club, go to Walmart today, get you a box. You'll thank me later. As always, you can follow us in between episodes. You can follow me at Jeff Carr with three Fs. You can follow Steve at S. Offenbaker with two Fs. You can follow the show at Locked On Reds. All right, let's finish up our conversation on today's episode. We, we've got a lot more coming up tomorrow, so definitely don't miss tomorrow's episode. But Tom Nichols tells us why Christian Encarnacion Strand is also an exciting player to watch in spring training. But Jeff, I know that you and I have talked a lot about Ellie De La Cruz, but there's some other guys uh, coming through the ranks that I know you uh, definitely wanted to get to today uh, and, and get Tom's opinion on some of the other guys, you know, not named Ellie De La Cruz. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's so many different top prospects that are in camp and whether they're on the 40 man roster or whether they are, you know, off the 40 man, but they're non roster invitees. You mentioned Christian Encarnacion Strand. He is a guy that I really want to dive into because he is a little bit older than Ellie De La Cruz, and that bat looks like it's going to play real well at a place where you don't even have to be that good at hitting to hit home runs. No doubt about it. I'm 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 just as excited as you are. I think to see him play. Um, he uh, he. I mean, he hit last season. Uh, let's see. He hit 32 home runs over a course of a season. Um, and was the MVP of our league while with the Cedar Rapids club, the twins affiliate with that team, he hit 
20 home runs in 74 games, which would normally be just a little over a half season. And um, uh, you know, he, he hit 296, um, moved up to double A, and again, like De La Cruz, his average improved. And uh, he hit another 12 homers in double A in 48 games. Um, so, I mean, you cannot argue with the success he had last year. There's no weakness to be found in, in, in his numbers. And, um, it's, I, I, I really am excited about seeing what he can do. I, I hope that he'll get a chance to start out in, in Louisville and, um, another guy that's got some questions as to what position he'll wind up at, um, had a, again, another guy that had a lot of errors. He was a third baseman. He had 21 errors in 74 games. That's a lot of errors. Most mm. of them are on throws. Um, he did improve a lot over the, the, the second half of the season in terms of cutting down on the errors. He only had five errors in double A in 48 games. Um, so that's a big improvement. Will he stay at third base? Um, will he move to first base? Those are probably the two positions he could profile at. Um, they list him at 6'1", 229. He's a right-hand hitter and has uh, has just dominated everywhere he's been in pro ball. Um, he was a Twins fourth-round draft pick and uh, big, big bat. And then, again, another guy, guys, I would look at him, and I, I see him in terms of some of the prospect lists. There's a big variation. Um, Baseball America has him at number five, I think. And I've seen him in the teens on some other lists. And this is in the red system out of their top 30. Um, and I don't know what the people who don't like him as well are looking for because right. he's not everything you need and more. Um, I know that, and, and it might it might be that defense. Although uh, our mutual pal Doug Gray says that that's kind of been blown out of proportion. Like he's okay, at least when you watch him defensively. What did you see uh, from him and and the highlights and different things like that? Because it, it seems like. You know, obviously, it's easy to pinpoint the errors and things like that, but it seems like he's a little bit more serviceable. Like, there's some folks that are just like, oh, he's a DH, maybe a first baseman. And I'm like, we're not talking about Pablo Sandoval. Right. And there, his defense, the errors, again, came on throws. So that, that you, oftentimes, that's a, a ma- it traces back to footwork. Um, you mm-hmm. make bad throws because your balance and your foot and your footwork aren't good. Um, and, and he, while he's a little older than De La Cruz, he's still not a real experienced player at the pro level. Um, he's played 144 pro games. So that would be about an, an everyday major league season one year in that, in that 144 games, he's hit 36 home runs and driven in 132 runs with a batting average of 317. Oh, that. And, uh, I, I, you know, he, he was a junior college player who eventually made his way to a, a, a strong four-year school um, and Oklahoma State. So he, he was only at Oklahoma State, I think, one, maybe two years most. And uh, so, you know, he he's, he's learning the game maybe to some degree still. And I talked to him again at Reds Fest, um, and I talked to him mostly about the series we had against them at the very end of the first half, when both teams were um, were right on the verge of trying to clinch their division title, it was like a, a mini, pl- it was like a play-in series almost. Mm-hmm. And 
they, they ended up winning four out of six against the Dragons in that series, and they clinched the the playoff berth. Uh, and we did not reach the playoffs. Um, if we if we won four out of six, we would have made the playoffs. Um, but uh, I, I talked to him about that series, and he said it was the most enjoyable series that I ever played in because there was so much on the line. And, and uh, even in the minor leagues, you know that that can really be something that's enjoyable uh, when you play you play those kind of. And then both he and De La Cruz, before much longer, were in Double A. Um, but that's that's one that I really I I'm going to watch. And, and the question is, you know, with a guy like that. Um, you know, he's going to get some playing time early in spring training. There's no doubt about it because um, in the early games, usually it's two players at each position per game and the, and the guys don't play two days in a row. So, so you've got to have four players basically at each position one day, like on a Monday, a guy will play the first five innings. Somebody else will play the, the next four. And then the Tuesday game, same thing, two different guys will split the game. And then Wednesday you go back to the original guys. So you need, four guys at each position to really get you through. And so he would be probably along with Steer, uh, Noel V. Marte, and maybe a kid, a guy, Vossler, that they signed as a free agent. Yeah. That, that's four third baseman right there. So he's going to get some time. But, you know, with a guy like that who's really not going to make the big league club, as the spring gets older and older, you wonder, and they've got so many positional battles going on, uh, how much time will those guys get? So I, I'm anxious to see how much time he gets uh, on the field. Will they really give him a good look or will they sort of give him an early look and, the, and then go with the, the guys that they need to see play to decide their 26-man roster? And the other thing I will see is, and this is something to watch for as a fan, I think, is where do they play him? Do they play him at first base or third base? Because that will tell you something about what they see. Same thing with De La Cruz. If De La Cruz goes to spring training, guys, and he's playing third base every day because that's where they have the need, it tells you they're not even looking at him as a, as a, as a shortstop for, for opening day. Or and, and and that's just us talking here because nobody really has said that he's in the running uh, for, for an opening day position. But uh, that's one thing to watch. Now, who Example, who's going to be getting the playing time at first base? because Votto's not going to be healthy enough to play. So I would expect Tyler Stevenson and Will Myers are going mm -hmm. to get a lot of the playing mm -hmm. time there because their primary position is not first base. Uh, for Myers, it's right field. For Stevenson, of course, it's catcher. And those two guys are going to probably be, if Votto's not ready by opening day, your main first baseman. So I'm, I'm anxious to see just around the field where these guys sort of slot in in terms of it tells you something about where the Reds see them and um, how David Bell sees uh, the, the the need and, and the strengths of, of each guy. And uh, so that's something I'm anxious and, and looking forward to, to seeing how that plays out. Tom was super gracious with his time. We have a lot more coming from where we had today, but this was an awesome conversation. Like we said, Ellie De La Cruz, got to watch out for those strikeouts. And could he be a third baseman of the future? Because, I mean... Tom Nichols invoked the name of Brooks Robinson. And anytime you bring up Brooks Robinson, a third base, sign me up for that. And we're talking about Christian Encarnacion strand and getting that bat to great American ballpark. It's just going to be a thing of beauty. Can't wait to see it tomorrow. We've got a lot more where this is coming from though. We're talking about some other prospects, Andrew Abbott, Connor Phillips, some pitching prospects are going to be talked about on tomorrow's episode. You're not going to want to miss it. That's why you should be subscribed. That way you don't miss anything we've got coming for you because we're back to five days a week as 
pitchers and catchers report on Tuesday, and everybody is showing up to Goodyear spring training has begun. It's an exciting time as we get ready for the 2023 season. And hey, thanks to, you know, no lockout and nothing crazy going on, we've got a full spring training ahead. You're going to want to buckle up and stay right here with us at Locked On Reds. But thanks for making us your first listen. Now make your second listen, Locked On MLB Prospects, as Lindsey Crosby has you covered on all of the stars of tomorrow. That's Locked On MLB Prospects, just like Locked On Reds. It's free and available on all platforms. As we move through the spring training time of year, we'll be telling you who's in the best shape of their lives, who's recovering from injuries, who might be a little bit behind their injury recovery timetable, and what that opening day roster is going to look like because we are locked on Reds every single day. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.